Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hear that podcast growling, mean and angry. Hear that couple shouting, it's Stanger and Jay. It's Stanger and Jay. All right, welcome into the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Growling, Paul Eager Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic. Excited to be with you here on a Tuesday. Jay, we've reached that point of the year where me and you and all our lovely friends out here we just talk on a daily basis, don't we? It seems like it. It is nonstop Bengals at this point. Everybody, everybody wants to know Bengals. And uh, yeah, live room yesterday. Today's pod. We'll be back later in the week. We'll have a walkout on Sunday. It's it's nonstop. Uh, it's all. I mean, it's all anybody can talk about around town. I did enjoy after the game. I don't know if we referenced this. Uh, again, we've talked so much since the Chiefs game ended about. Zach Taylor saying after the game, you know, how he felt sort of the tension and the intensity in the city and how much people were anticipating the game. He's like, you know, I don't get out often. I was out to, I went out to lunch and I filled my gas tank and everywhere I went, people would say, beat the Chiefs and who day and get them coach. And he's like, he's like, I'm talking people hanging out of windows and stuff. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so uh, you can feel how different it feels. And certainly, with that win over the Chiefs, uh, the atmosphere in the city has ratcheted up, and uh, people are amped. So we're here for you. That's When, when you're amped, uh, we're here to try to fill the bucket, and there is plenty to fill it with. We will do that today. We are going to uh, talk a little bit about some news, news with Kevin Huber, Sam Hubbard. We're going to talk a little bit about a few other topics from yesterday uh, in conversations with Zach Taylor, Jesse Bates. Uh, Luana Rumo, Darren Simmons. Uh, you'll hear from Darren Simmons on the um, release of Kevin Huber. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about Joe Burrow and the MVP, uh, which has come up. I touched on it in This Week in Bengals last week. We've, we touched on it here and there, but I want to kind of lay it out a little bit for a story that I'm going to have coming on later this week. Um, we're going to talk to Mo Egger, of course. We want to discuss Luana Rumo. And I'm going to make Mo play a game. I think it's going to be challenging for him, but it's going to, he says he's Mr. Time Management. So we're going to test his skills a little bit in a, in a takeoff a little bit. See how it goes, Jay. Do we, do we think, Jay, that we can keep Mo under 40 second clock? No, not a chance. I was going to say we should run past or boot it, and it's going to be he goes over by a minute, he goes over by two minutes, he uh, goes over by three minutes. No, no, it's going to be fun. We're going to try that. We're going to try something new with Mo today. I'm excited about it. Uh, and then we'll, of course, have our segments. We'll have Arby's Bengals Growler bet recap to see if we had any winners. Run past or boots. And Jay, you've already tweeted it out, but uh, an interesting analysis of our own predictions <laughs> over the course of the year. M- much symmetry uh, has been happening. Let's. Uh, and also, everybody on YouTube, thank you for showing up. Always great to do this with you guys on Tuesdays. If you have questions that you would like us to try to get to or topics or comments or tell us that my skull looks really nice today, extra shiny, Jay, I think. 
<laughs> a little bit of an extra shine glare yeah. coming off the top of the skull today. I did, I did kind of give it a, a little wax. Um, you if you have light? anything you'd like to say, just go ahead and drop it into the uh, comments section there, and uh, we'll we'll maybe get to a couple of those at the end of the show. Uh, and again, thanks everybody that's coming. If you can subscribe, hit the like, rate, all that stuff, uh, we always appreciate it, and it's great to help grow the audience for the show. Um, okay. Yesterday's live room is up, so go check that. You know, we covered a lot of ground there, <laughs> some that we loved covering, some that was a little uncomfortable, to be honest. Um, <laughs> uh, but nonetheless, always appreciate every every question and comment uh, and superstition that you get. And so uh, we there was a lot there. So if you're just listening to this and like, oh, what was that thing yesterday? There's a lot there, stuff that we would probably normally talk about on the Tuesday show. So go give that a listen. Yesterday's live room archived and up on the feed now. Um, Kevin Huber uh, was let go yesterday. This is, you know, three promotions have occurred with Drew Chrisman. He's done very well. This was sort of the inevitable move. Uh, but we hear that kind of officially – um on monday yeah i mean no surprise uh it, I, the, the thing that i was most curious about and really zach and darren simmons left the door open for it and it almost made it sound like it's likely would be for for kevin to come back on the practice squad yep. and just he he does he can take some of the the load off of, of drew punting during the week he'd be a tremendous mentor um, so it, it does sound like, you know, with 16 spots on the practice squad now, it, it's not like you have to have position players in every one of those. I, I think there's a lot of value there. And, and Darren, especially, you know, Zach gave it more of the, we'll see Darren really did make it sound like that, that it, that is something they're exploring and that it would be beneficial for Drew, um, to have Kevin in his ear. Yeah. And, you know, this is been a really tough one for Darren Simmons because, mm-hmm. you know, Darren is as down the middle and uh, open and sort of straightforward as, as you can, you'll find. And he's like, look, I'm doing what's best for the team no matter what. My feelings, my personal relationships are not what this is about. And, and he said, you know, and credit to Kevin Huber, he's the same way. Um where he under he just wants to do what's best for the team, and this has kind of all been handled well. I want to bring in Darren Simmons talking a little bit about this decision, uh, the enormity of this decision, and and uh, you know just kind of how it's on gone down. Here's a Bengal special teams coordinator Darren Simmons. We obviously wanted to get your response on Kevin being yeah. let go today. Yeah, obviously, you know, you can't have more respect for anybody than what I've got for Kevin and what he's done for, um, you know, for me personally um, and for this franchise over the course of, of his time here. Um, you know, he's been a part of uh, a lot of uh, uh, big, big, big games. He's been a part of a, a lot of big plays. Um, he's, he's been a part of, of uh, um, a lot of rides, you know, I think with me personally, um, you know, from – <laughs> from us getting hot when he first got here to riding the wave back down to when we bottomed out and then riding the wave back up. And, uh, you know, I can tell you there, there's no uh, – probably my most satisfying time here through all the playoffs last year was um, at the end of the Raiders game, you know, getting to hug him and think this has finally come full circle. This is finally, you know, finally get that monkey off our back. As me, him, and Clark were really the only three that have been here through, you know, a lot of those playoff losses. So being able to – 
see the other side of that and experience that with those guys was, was pretty special. I guess it doesn't surprise you though the class that he had, that he with which he handled what was going on this year yeah. must have been could have been very difficult for a lot of veterans in yeah. his position. But how he helped Drew through that process the last two years, what does yeah. that mean? I wouldn't expect anything different. You know, that, that just displays the type of person he is. We, I knew that. I've seen that for 13 years. Um, you know, whether he's <laughs> helped out, uh, um, you know, all the kickers that have been through here, seeing all the things, that he, how he's helped those guys too. Um, he, he's been a, a great resource for Drew over the past couple of years. You know, if you remember, Drew came in, got hurt in training camp, or hurt prior coming into training camp, so he really didn't get a chance to compete. Um, but yet he was, Drew was kind of up and down and round off our practice squad, even when Kevin knew there was a full-fledged competition going on in training camp. He was well aware. We, we, I stayed in constant communication with him. We were very clear on what was at stake for him. And uh, But yet he still at the same time tried to help Drew advance as a player. And I, I think that shows his character, um, his professionalism, and he, he's the essence of what being a pro is. You know, uh, I, I think he feels the the pull to give back and to always help and help advance the position, help advance our team because he wants to, he just wants to do what's best for our team. And uh, um, he's handled this uh, w- with true honor and true class. But I would expect anything different. You use the phrase the finality of it all. Finality of it all. Would, would there be any value in yeah. keeping him on the practice squad as a mentor for for Drew, or does Drew deserve to kind of have this be his job and not have someone lurking over? No, I, I think Drew should want Kevin to be around here. Um, I, I think his uh, the experience that Kevin brings and just the ability to relate to somebody in a different manner than, than talking to me um, would be invaluable to Drew. So, yeah, that's something we're certainly very open to doing. The, um, Darren says it great there. Um, mm-hmm. I think Kevin Huber has been all-time class, all-time good guy, um, you know, really for a long time now and has kind of proved it the way that this has all gone down, um, which is going to be really tough. And I think the, what you hear this a lot, usually it's with quarterbacks, right? You get mm-hmm. the veteran quarterback who the young kid is drafted. It's, I'm not going to help that guy come take my job. I'm out here trying to make money and feed my family, right? And the the guy who will take his clear replacement under his wing and try to help him, even while in a battle with him, you know, I just think there's a – you know, there's a level of respect that that is that is owed, and it just it is really the ultimate that shows the kind of guy that Kevin Huber is. Yeah, and and for those of you watching on YouTube, what what you just heard was the the middle of of three questions. If you're listening to this later in the week, uh, it the the first question that Darren answers, he was emotional. I mean, yeah. It, it you, I won't say it was choking back tears. It didn't quite get to that level, but it was clear it was impacting him. And he he knew that he was going to have to do this. He knew he was going to have to talk about it. I'm sure. I don't think he rehearsed a script, but he I knowing Darren, I know he he thought about what he wanted to say because he wanted to get some certain points out. And he was prepared for this, and it was still really really affecting him. And um, it, it just showed. I mean. You, Imagine anybody that if you work some, he said 13, it's, this is actually the 14th season. You work with somebody that closely every day for 14 years. It's, it's going to be hard to, to say goodbye, even if it is temporarily and before they bring him back on the practice squad. 
Yeah, and that will be the next move that we'll keep an eye out on is what happens mm-hmm. there and, um, you know, ha- hanging around. And, and like you said, Jay, I mean, there's just so many practice squad spots. It's not like they're losing anything. They're gaining. I mean, having him around is help. Mm-hmm. And some people say, well, why not just hire him as a coach? That's stupid. I mean, look, there's nothing wrong with him still being a part of the team and being somebody who's out there in the jersey practicing every day. I mean, that's a part of it, being a player on the team. You don't need another coach. Um, you know, and, and he's, and he's there in case anything happens to Drew. I mean, let's be honest. That's part of it too. And, uh, so yeah, I think, um, it, that's a, a, a right, the right move. And, and I was a little surprised by that. I guess, I don't know why I was, I probably should have thought it through a little bit more that they would do that. Um, but I guess that was probably really more up to Kevin, whether he wanted mm-hmm. to stick around and no surprise that he would want to stick around as much as he has cared about the organization, the team, the city and everything else. Um, next, uh, speaking of those topics, um, Sam Hubbard named uh, Walter Payton man of the year nominee by the Bengals for the second straight year. Um, he's, I mean, he has been doing incredible work. If you don't know about the work of the Sam Hubbard Foundation, I highly recommend checking it out, supporting it if you can. Hubbard's cupboards, uh, you know, giving supplies, school supplies, um, you name it to to people that are in need. Camps for underprivileged youth. There's a great video uh, oh, that the man. social team for the Bengals put out about Sam and the work he does, talking to his parents, all the behind the scenes of who he kind of is and has been. There's a reason he's a back-to-back nominee. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the money that is given has really I remember talking to him. He had a he had an event uh at the Fowling Warehouse uh that I went to and chatted with him a little bit. He just said, "Man, you know, the money from the Walter Payton Man of the Year nomination really like just helped his foundation take off. That was mm-hmm. put to such great use. It was so helpful. And so him being a chance to get that again, and maybe more if he can, uh, you know, maybe ride the second wave up to potentially get into the mix to win it. Now the winners typically end up being Andrew Whitworth last year, right? Almost a career achievement award can be, but that said, um, incredible stuff that Sam Hubbard has been doing on and off the field for a while now. Um, Jay. Important to note too, that the, the it's not, a popularity contest that this is the, the people within the NFL vote on the, they'll, they'll be finalists named. And then the, the, the weekend of the Super Bowl, the overall winner will be named, but they have in, introduced a, an element that is the, the most retweets with the, with the uh, Walter Payton man of the year hashtag, whichever player gets the most of those gets an extra $40,000 yep. for their foundation. And we know uh, how involved Bengals fans are. And I, I think they could really push Sam over the top there. And even if he's not the NFL man of the year, getting that extra $40,000 would do so much great in your own community and, you know, in the Cincinnati community for those of you that are Bengals fans from beyond. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was funny. I, I had to go and I wasn't going to do this, but then I kind of was just going through. I was just curious who, because I thought he was back to back. I double checked mm-hmm. that. And I was like, I'm going to keep going. And I kept looking. I mean, five of the last six have been defensive linemen. And let me tell you what, that is a story about setting the foundation for the future. Michael Johnson in particular, and I would add in, you know, Carlos Dunlap and Geno Atkins, but Michael was really the first to really set the standard in that defensive line room of being involved, giving back, you know, he, he was, uh, we, you know, I think, I think 
I think myself and Jeff Hobson are still trying to tell him to go try to be the mayor of Selma, Alabama, because he just has a guy, he just has so much give back and caring in him. And that was apparent when he was here. And he really affected Sam Hubbard, who has talked about that often. And here you have five of the last six years, defensive line room has been the Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee because they're so involved. They're, I mean, anytime you go to any of Sam's events, DJ Reader's events, um, the whole defensive line room is out there. They're very supportive of each other. It's a great thing they have going on there. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Players' Day off. Speaking of supporting each other, Jay, I'm a Segway king today. Uh, Players' <laughs> Day off on Monday for Victory Monday. Um, but interesting to hear from Jesse Bates yesterday. He says, you know what's funny? I come in 9.30 in the morning, Players' Day off, Victory Monday, just to kind of, they say, if you want to get a lift in or you want to you know, get some treatment, whatever. I get in, and almost the whole damn team is in there, <laughs> hanging out, getting lists, treatments. You know, it's just... Guys want to be there. Guys love being a part of the team. Guys love being involved, even on their day off. We've been talking about this for a while, but you know, this is just kind of the latest example of it. Ask Zach Taylor about it in the same way. And he said, Yeah, you know, we did it last week. And after seeing what happened, you know, how many people showed up, how involved everybody was, and still come wanting to come in the building and keep them fresh and still keep them involved and engaged, realize that, man. It's uh, it's obvious the 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 way to keep doing that, and the the trust with them is the ability to keep keep doing that and giving those days, and and you know, in a lot of ways, that is like the third time Jesse because I he talked about it after the game with me too, um, third time this year Jesse has mentioned how much those days help and how much that's appreciated within the locker room in the captains meetings things like that about that goes a long way to creating some of those the extra effort stuff that I wrote about when we talked about on Sunday that you saw on the field. Um, you know, just how much you get that little bit extra from some of those moves uh, internally. And uh, that sort of was reflected in both of their comments and what happened on Monday. Yeah, and and I kind of wrote about it too, where this, this is not new. We, we've seen Zach do this. And I was, I was trying to find it. I cannot remember. It was early... I don't know if it was 19 when he started 0 and 11. I think it was somewhere in 2020 and they had a win and he gave them a victory Monday and they got roasted the next week. And then, so he was getting roasted on, on social media about, Oh yeah, you, you give them, they get one win, you give them a day off and that's how they respond. And ever since then that he has done this a lot. He, he did it. Uh, he canceled mini camp last year because they got over the threshold for for vaccinations where they could have in-person meetings and uh this year with otas no full team practice or no full team drills um because they were trying to recover from that long super bowl run and um every time he gives them 
a little something like this, they respond. They 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 come back stronger. They they do what they're supposed to do. They take care of their own business, and it it just all goes back to that culture that he talked about from day one. Uh, you've got guys in that locker room. You've got a great group of leadership that are that are policing this thing, and you've you've got younger guys that that see what it's like and and are, are learning themselves that you know a day off isn't necessarily a day off. It's 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 less meetings, more ping pong. But you still got to get your work done, and and they're doing that. And I wouldn't be surprised to see more of these victory Mondays um, if this winning streak continues. There's such a balance, you know. We see this a lot in baseball discussed about the grind yeah. of a season and 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 how much that plays out, and you know, and how managing a team is 95 percent what happens on the day to day, and five percent the decisions that everyone spends all the time talking about uh, on Sundays. And I, and I think there's a little bit of that here. I mean, the balance as a head coach of riding the wave of keeping guys mentally fresh, and Zach Taylor talks about it a lot in saying excited when they walk in the building every day, energized when they walk in the building every day and not feeling like the grind of the showing up to work is draining, right? And and if that means extra days, extra time, longer breaks, whatever it is, it, the understanding that need for to keep the mental right, um, I, I think is an evolution in coaching uh, that has happened over the last 15 years. And the evolution in people, I think us as a – as a society in the United States, mm-hmm. I'm going to go societal, Jay. I'm here for society talk today. I mean, let's. I, I think we've we've all sort of grown. Whether it's the rise in the importance of mental health conversations, the rise in the importance of understanding. I mean, things like sleep, understanding things. You know, like the just the the work life balance, all of that stuff. I just think is so much more prevalent now. Where the old days, man, it was football, grind them. Sleep in the office, two a days. This is hard. It's meant to be hard. Make you tough. I think what they're finding is these guys are plenty tough already. They just need to have the energy and and the enthusiasm to go show their toughness and want to go play for each other and for you on Sundays. And I think the I mean this team has clearly bottled that over the last year and a half. And that's that's a kudos to Zach Taylor and his entire coaching staff on kind of you know, riding that balance pretty nicely at this point. Yeah. And it's a good point about it being societal. My wife took a new job and she was that her old one was one of those beaten downs. Now she's working for Procter and Gamble and they're, they bring masseuses in to give them massages during the day. And they, they have a, a day at 50 West where they just go and hang out and have some beer and get some work done. And I mean, it's just, you, you treat people well and it pays off in the long run. It, you don't have to be a slave driver. And, um, I, I think, you know, it's, it's weird that, that, you know, maybe sports are kind of leading this charge. I'm for more days at 50 West. I mean, we've done, we tried to do those as, as often as we can, Jay. I mean, we've, we've done them. Like, Lord knows, uh, we, we got more coming, but, uh, I think we should, we really should just start doing really every Tuesday. We should. 50 West at this point. Wait, which, I was going to say, when she had her day there, I said, so what time are you getting there? And she said, you're not invited. It's just for us. <laughs> Look, it is America. I can go right. wherever I, I want, okay? That's what I told her. You can't her. tell me where I can't go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe not for the betterment of your 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 life happiness, but, uh, you know, look, it's not illegal. Uh, so that's uh, sort of that situation. The other thing the kind of that I wanted to touch on coming out of yesterday was a little bit more insight into the Joe Mixon topic that has been popular. Um, 
after he did not play because of the concussion, we discussed how that was very rare and interesting to see a guy go uh, through the concussion protocol, practice in week two, and not get cleared. Well, Zach Taylor, this is what he said, kind of speaking more specifically about what happened. He said, the point that it got to, it was really late in the week Saturday, just going through the final stages of it, and the conversation I had with him is, I'm not even going to go back to the doctors one more time. We're just going to keep you out of this game. It's a head injury, and he's been doing the best he could to get through the protocols. It's just right up against game time, and that's ultimately the decision we made. I told him there's a lot of games left to be played. I hope you look back in three or four weeks and you're happy you didn't risk one more game, even if everything checked the boxes and you're able to get through the protocol. We just said, do it one more game. We just said, let's do the protocols this week, and he seems on track to be able to do that Wednesday. Jay, before I bring up my thought on that, I'm curious what yours was. Um. I thought it was smart. I think they learned from from sitting Jamar out that extra week that that you you they could still go win a game. I think it's an incredible vote of confidence for Samaj P. Ryan. That was a huge game. And yes, they would have loved to have had Joe Mixon, but to say, just take it easy one more week. Let's just be sure Samaj's got this. I, I I thought that was my biggest takeaway. You know, Zach Taylor saying, I'm not even going to go back to the doctors. Mm-hmm. I, I, You know, we're just going to keep you out, even if you clear the protocols. I mean, I do think you're – there's obviously an element of looking out for the player, the understanding the importance of head injuries, and, and all of that stuff. But look, the protocols are in place. We hear this every time on the opposite side. The protocols are in place because the protocols are in place. When, when the protocols are cleared, that means the guy can play. Um you know, to not even have Joe Mixon available, and you know, I, I just that's a really interesting thing to not even try to finish out going through the protocols. You said it, Jay. Uh, that is certainly a an endorsement of Samaj P. Ryan, and you know what's what followed of of the conversation of P. Ryan's role going forward. Again, it, it, clearly, there's just so much faith there in, in the way he's connecting with Burrow in this offense. So, you know, maybe they're leaning even this thing, one more game and, and one more load of evidence will have them lean a little bit further into the P Ryan conversation. Again, Mixon has played well when he has played. I think people quickly forget because you have P Ryan in there for two big wins. Um, Mixon has played really well since week six. He was number one in the league in rushing efficiency. Um, that has not. I mean, that's what it is, uh, and that's what they want. He's more explosive as a runner. There's going to be a role for both. You have to have two, uh, but I just think that is um, that was really interesting to see. I didn't even go back to the doctors. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I hope that goes back to the previous conversation about looking out for your players and and everyone kind of seeing that uh, as well. But I think you know, I don't know how much of that has to do with confidence in Smaj Piran or learning your lesson from Jamar Chase. Right and and how well that worked out in the understanding of the of the big picture there. All of it together, though, certainly will be interesting to watch. Under the assumption that Mixon will return this week, that's certainly what Zach Taylor made it sound like that he could be back, uh, should be back this week, and we'll see what those reps look like. Again, I do think you'll see a larger chunk for Samaj P. Run. We've discussed that. Will that just be those second and middles, or will there be a little extra? Will you end up in a fifty-fifty? Uh, time will tell. Our good friend and yours, Mo Egger of ESPN 1530 is here. Mo, how are we doing? 
Oh, hey guys, how we doing? Doing good. How are you? Oh, I was just uh, sifting through my my favorite new book. Oh yeah. It's- <laughs> <laughs> Were you? Where'd you get the that? Cincinnati Bengals? An illustrated timeline by my very very good friends Rick Pender and Jeff Seuss. Wow! If wow. you're a Bengals fan. You are going to want to have this on your coffee table or maybe under your Christmas tree uh, in a couple of weeks. What an unbelievable book. And the two guys who wrote this, <laughs> boy, couldn't be closer friends of mine. You will love if you're a Bengals fan. Uh, I, I appreciate that, uh, Mo. And that's, that's, that's a bit of an inside joke. bit Sorry. of an inside joke, but I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I love it. I love it. I love it so much. Uh yeah, no. Make sure make sure you check that out. Big big sure. fans of uh, yeah. oh, and undoubtedly, I gotta feel like they're Rick Pender, Jeff Sus. They're listening to this program. They're they 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 check you out every single week on here. They everywhere I go, their consumption of my work is is what brought them into my life. <laughs> no question. All right, I'm glad I'm I'm glad consumption of your work uh, has led me to this game. I want to play with you today, Mo. Okay, great. Okay, more games. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I know. So. You know, we always got to have some sort of like football-y, uh take a name for a game. So I, I, I had these. I had I wanted to ask you about a few, th- a lot of things today, mm-hmm. um, and so I, but I wanted to make sure we can fit it all into our time frame. So I want to play a little forty-second clock with you, if you will, huh? Oh, okay. uh, three downs. You have forty seconds to get your takeoffs. You know, you're a time management guy, right? You you know how to work the timeouts. You know how to make sure you're always on the clock correctly. Uh, so I have a, a timer. I'm going to start for forty seconds. I'm going to hold it up here so you can see it. Hopefully, when I wow, start it, okay. uh, very good, yeah, very yeah. Um, it's high high class stuff that we're doing here. Not not rinky dink at all. And uh, I've got. I'm just going to say a topic that I have for you, and you have forty seconds to fire off your take on it. You have not been told any of these. Are you ready? Um, no, I'm terrified. What's up? Let's do it. <laughs> okay. All right. First topic. First down. Justin Reed's tweet today. Go. Love it. Give me as much of this as possible. Look, I, I, I want, we talked about this a little bit last week when he first came out and misidentified Tyler Higby as being on the Bengals. I want this. If, if we're going to have a legitimate rivalry, which, which is what everybody's calling Bengals chiefs. First of all, the Bengals in my lifetime, I don't think they've had an organic rivalry aside from their rivalry with the Houston Oilers when I was a kid that just was organic, right? It's always seconds. been Steelers or Browns. I love this. And if I'm going to get a rivalry, I'm going to get a back and forth. And it doesn't Five. stop because one guy's team lost. Wow. Look wow, at you go. Well done. Sneaks. That, I feel that like is, I'm on well like around the horn or something. Yeah. This is great. I've always that, wanted to be on that show. That was, that was impressive. Okay. Yes. Second. Second down here. Here we go. Uh, Carlos Dunlap stadium reaction. Go. I, I I get it. I get it. Carlos Dunlap was a really good player here, but I understand it, right? I mean, he the way he left sucked and I think was a poor reflection of him. And I think, unfortunately, for a lot of people, that's, that's what's going to lead the conversation, at least in the short term. I hope with the passage of time, Maybe once Carlos is no longer an active player, folks uh, respect the fact that he was a part of some really good teams and did some really good things here. But when you exit the way you did and you play in a game like that, I'm not sure what you would expect the crowd reaction to be. Wow. Early, Mm -hmm. early time to spare. 
time to spare. You could have you could have even had a little audible at the end there, done some cadence work. That was impressive. Yeah, uh, this is really good. It should be noted that we didn't even tell you we were going to do this. I didn't tell you anything about this. I'm just throwing this on you. This is a, this is equivalent of a Tom Brady two minute drill, uh, and you're handling it just as well as he did last night. All right, last one. Uh, third down. It's the money down uh, for you, Mo. So we're going to go Scott Satterfield higher. Go. Uh, out of, out of left field, completely out of left field. Uh, more than anything, this entire coaching search has stood out to me for how, how quietly it played out. I mean, I got a phone call yesterday morning at about seven 35 and it was from somebody who's like, dude, it's Scott Satterfield. And they could have asked me to guess all day long. And I wouldn't have guessed his name. I do think it's interesting how sort of, um, eager, a lot of Louisville Ten. fans have been to watch him go up by 71, I'm open-minded about this, but more than anything, I just love the fact that everybody spent time on flight tracker when all they had to do was check out like the uh, arrest stop on 71. Uh, no, no, no. I get to use the five seconds from the There's last Terry one. Over. No, that's not how it works. <laughs> oh, You're supposed to be the time management guy. You don't damn get it. to roll those over. You should have called a timeout. I didn't tell you you could have. <laughs> You could have called a timeout and gotten an extra 40 maybe if you felt like you needed it. You know, I was Dennis <laughs> Allen last night on, on that particular <laughs> Dennis time. Allen. All right, let's just take a quick break. You tweeted out um, oh, this, and it was I know that this was sort of uh, tongue-in-cheek about the UC coaching search, but yeah. I, I want to use it on the other end of what you were saying. The, mm -hmm. It was uh, subtweeting a tweet about Lou Anarumo. He said, Lou was hired <laughs> after a long, drawn-out process that exhausted everyone's patience and underwhelmed a lot of people after some of the bigger names that had been mentioned didn't get the job. I know what you're trying to do there. I don't care about that. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> I want to talk about. You can make you can make two points with one tweet. This I I, I want to talk about the now second evolution of Lou Anarumo's name and his style and his coaching acumen playing out in a big way for the Bengals. Um, I, I thought this was one of his most impressive games because he had to do new tricks that topped his old tricks against a team that has been spending a whole lot of time trying to figure out all of those tricks. And um, what did, what were your thoughts on the game that Lou had and where he has come as a coordinator? Um, well, there's a couple of different things there. One, I I said this to friends of mine on Sunday night. You know, everybody does the the meme of. Joe Burrow with Patrick Mahomes on his shoulder, you know, Joe owns Patrick Mahomes and certainly there's uh, shreds of, of truth to that, but it's really Lou Anarumo owns Patrick Mahomes. I mean, it was the third consecutive masterclass in slowing down, you know, arguably the, the NFL's most talented quarterback. Um, and I, I, I think to a degree it was his finest moment of the three and maybe as Bengals defensive coordinator because, you know, it's a cat and mouse game. So it's what Lou applied to the Chiefs in those two games last year. And now with the benefit of time to prepare without his best cover corner, what was Kansas City going to do? What was Kansas City going to do to kind of show the world that what happened last year, specifically in the AFC title game, was flukish? And I thought often about that word because people talked about, well, the Bengals, what they did last year, eh, a little bit of a fluke to me, that game and being eight and four is validation to a degree of what they did last season. And what Lou did and his defense did on Sunday is validation of the 
the praise that Lou got for the performance of his defense in those two games against Kansas City. So I thought it was a crowning moment for him. And it felt to me like, you know, nationally, just kind of, you know, surfing around on Twitter late on Sunday night, it felt like that was the moment where, um, for a team that we normally talk about Joe Burrow and then, you know, Zach Taylor is the head coach. Obviously there's a lot of talk about him, both good and bad. It felt like nationally Lou Anarumo was thrust into the spotlight as somebody who should be obviously given a lot of credit for the work he's done with his defense, which is just consistently consistent, right? I mean, how, how many times over the last couple of years, even going back to prior to last season, have you watched this defense and thought, God, they're underprepared or guys are out of position or there's, there's communication lapses. Like it, it does. It looks like even if I'm not one of these, like all 22 tape heads, I know what a well-coached defense looks like. I see it every single week. And so now the conversation is moving toward as it should for assistance on championship caliber teams. Can Lou Anarumo be a head coach? This is remarkable given where we were, not just when he was hired, but at the end of that first year, when they gave him nothing to work with. I mean, there were a lot of folks who were like, dude, uh, I know they're getting Joe Burrow. What this Lou Anarumo guy that they hired so late in the process, like, eh, are we sure they didn't screw it up a defensive coordinator? But you do go back to the search. And, and I remember that time. And, and yes, I was, I was making a reference to what UC just did, which was long drawn out coaching search that felt like no matter who they hired, a lot of fans were going to be angry. That defensive coordinator search, which started way late, it was Jack Del Rio and uh, all Todd these. Grantham. Scott Grantham. Yeah, all these other names that brought with them different levels of excitement. And then Lou Anarumo. I mean, I'll admit, I had to look up who that was. And and I, 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 we get, we, we got Lou on the show that day. He called us from a taxi cab in New York City, and, <laughs> which was great. And uh, people then called in and they were like, I'd rather have Marvin Lewis back. I mean, it was like that. And, uh, and, and so to go from that to here is really cool and really remarkable and, and fun to watch. Um, I, I think that's the story of the last couple of seasons B beyond Joe Burrow and how he's transformed the franchise. It's this defense carrying this team to within this close of a championship last season, what they've done to build the defense via the draft and free agency and some trades. And then it being the thing that I think over the last two seasons, you've been able to hang your hat on almost every single week from where we were in 2018 and 2019 to now is remarkable. And Lou Anarumo is getting a lot of credit for it here and around the country. And it's uh, well-deserved. I agree with you that, that Sunday was his crowning moment because if you think about it, those first two games, yes, that it was great. The adjustments they made at halftime and what they did to Patrick Mahomes in the second half, it was kind of out of necessity. They were getting roasted. It's like, well, you got to try something new and see if it works. This was the plan all along. And it was, it flew in the face of conventional wisdom that you do not pressure Patrick Mahomes. I mean, Lou talked about that, that week 17 game last year where he wanted to do one zero blitz. He had to know he had to, pick when he was going to dial it up. He picked it at the exact right time, right before halftime. They had to settle for a field goal. That was not the case Sunday. He came after him a lot, and mm -hmm. they got burned a couple times. But that was 
that was reflective of who this defense is. That was reflective of who Lou is as a, a coordinator. It was aggression and it was, uh, not just throw something against the wall and see if it sticks and see if we can come up with something. It was, a the plan all along and they nailed it. I mean, that, that was a really, really pre- impressive performance. I want to say start to finish because they did give up three consecutive touchdowns drives, but you're gonna, that's going to happen when you're playing Patrick Mahomes. It, it's Patrick Mahomes. I mean, one one deep ball where a guy got openish, right, and, mm-hmm. and it took yeah. a great throw, and a second one that was a hard contested catch from a throw under pressure, another big yep. time throw. Those are their only plays over twenty yards in the game. You, you you did keep underneath, and yeah, they got they did seem to get some of theirs. One play that stood out. He talked about this with us yesterday, Mo, and it was a play that I had actually had documented um, in a, a, a story I did on the art of the disguise with the Bengals earlier this year. And it's one where they drop, he used it in a huge spot in this game. It was a third down. It was the, it was uh, actually, it was the Osai sack where mm-hmm. they would drop Sam Hubbard back into the middle linebacker position. And every single time he had done it, he'd done it like three or four times now, including against Tennessee in the divisional game last year. And a couple times earlier this year, Sam would rush. He would come in off the edge, do some sort of game because he was very good at that and very athletic. Well, Lou says in this spot, wanted to play, uh, you know, basically disguise a drop eight, essentially, by putting Hubbard back there with that setting off the he's going to blitz, he's going to rush in Mahomes' head. Hubbard doesn't, stays. It ends up being, you know, Mahomes looking for pressure, doesn't get it, and oh crap, now I'm facing the drop eight again, and Osai's chasing me. And mm. what a, you know, saved it for the biggest moment in the game, gets the sack off of it. Just a huge call to, to yeah. go off the one first time you've gone off of a tendency play that you've put on tape, trusting that I know that you know about this play <laughs> uh, will pay off for you. Uh, you know, what a chess match that we were witness to. Yeah, that to me was the story of the game. You know, the the chess match, the cat and mouse b- between that defense, that defensive coordinator, and Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, etc. And the Bengals won it for a third time. And so, if these two teams meet again, which seems certainly like a very strong possibility, I it's it's going to be fun to see who gets the better of who next and what Lou has dialed up next for, for, for in the game plan as, as in its entirety, but as you just outlined in, in specific moments, I mean, I, I think of, I think of just in the AFC championship game last year, uh, even without the benefit of, of being able to see, you know, everything in the stadium or watching the all 22, just watching on television, thinking to myself, I haven't seen every Patrick Mahomes snap, but I've seen a lot of them. I've never seen him look like this. And that being uh, attributed to what Lou is doing, it, 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 it can't help but be something that if you're a Bengals fan, let's say they play the Chiefs again deep in the postseason, that you go, you know what? This defensive coordinator has exhibited some level of mastery over this quarterback, and you can hang your hat on that. Yep. Let's talk about bets, Jay. Where are we at? How far in the lead am I at this point? So you, you, you Mo caught up a little bit last week. You, we gave Paul, you extreme you, odds on the the yes. uh, Ravens Broncos. It wasn't we extreme. Oh, I took it all the way down to thirty. Yeah. Well, I Should mean, it was three to one. 
You're at plus 236. Moe's at plus 185. I'm at minus 26. Uh, <laughs> I think last week was the last, the first time that we've all had the same bet. And Paul and I went over Bengals Chiefs 52 and a half. Mo went under um, and hit it. Life's too third short to bet the 11, under. Third and 11 pass was the greatest call ever. <laughs> greatest call ever. <laughs> They're going to kick the damn field goal, which means they're going to give Patrick Mahomes and the over is going to hit third and 11 pass was the greatest call pass and catch of all time. (laughs) Yeah. You also went under in the uh, commanders giants game and survived in an entire overtime where points would have cost you that bet. (laughs) Um, So you, you won that as well. Skated by all week. What do you got this week, Mo? Can I make a futures? Yeah, absolutely. You got three pending still. Value is too great not to go Joe Burrow MVP at plus 800. Uh, he's just gotten Jamar Chase back. Um, I know there's obviously a Hayden Hurst issue right now, but he just got one of the best weapons in the NFL back. We've seen him cook at the end of the season. Uh, I, I think I think they're going to win the division. And if, and if they do, I, I just I feel like for some voters, and, and you guys can sort of go into this process far better than I can, for some voters, I, I feel like there's going to be a, well, it's time for Joe Burrow to get his. It's time for him to get his MVP. The value is just too great right now for a team that I do think is going to win the division. Um, I'm going to go Burrow plus 800. And if to me, if you, if, you, if you like that wager, then you should take the plus 100 to win the AFC North because I don't think he's going to win it if they don't win the AFC North. But I think they're going to win the AFC North. And so... I don't know if I'm allowed to combine the two, but I'll go Burrow MVP plus 800. Uh, the non-Bengal bet, I think the LA Rams are going to throw in the towel. Vegas is playing well. They've got a quality offense, elite special teams. Raiders are laying five and a half against the defending Super Bowl champs who are a shell of themselves. Give me Vegas, and I'll lay the points. Uh, and you're going 10 on each, right? 10 on each, yes. Okay. All right. Well, the reason I'm so far under is I like parlays and I'm going back to parlays. I've got to get caught up keep here. Chasing. Uh, Just keep chasing, Jay. I, I'm, yeah. Oh, chasing fake money. So, yeah. Um, very fictional. <laughs> I'm going to go uh, same game parlay. I'm going to go Bengals minus six. I know you never bet against the trend, but it just, they're playing too well. Deshaun Watson, second game, all that. Uh, Bengals minus six. I'll also take the under in that game at 47. And throw in, I'll have to look up the odds on this as it gets closer. I haven't seen the player prop, but a chase, Jamar Chase, anytime TD. Feels like this is a week. And I'm going to go 15 on that one. Uh, then I'm going to do a, a, a five-unit parlay. Uh, Titans minus three and a half um, against Jacksonville. You just, just degree of difficulty. They go from playing the Bengals and the Eagles to now playing the Jaguars. Three and a half doesn't seem like a lot to lay. I have no idea why Minnesota's getting points at Detroit. Uh, Minnesota plus one. So that's the second leg. And then uh, Chargers plus three at home against a Dolphins team that did not look that good last week at all. And that game is in prime time. Um, I, I really like the Chargers there. So I'm, I'll put five on that one. Chargers also did not look that good uh, and they have not looked that good for a while. Mm-hmm. A lot of the uh, the sheen is off of everything. The the hype train that was riding yeah. the Chargers. Oh, it'll come back this summer. You know it. Always, come, everyone summer. always thinks the Chargers are going to put it all together, and every Herbert's going to be the next guy. Yeah, every June I read about the Chargers, and every November they fade. 
What about what if they're led by what if Los Angeles Chargers head coach Lou Anarumo is uh, in <laughs> oh, charge of getting them straightened wow. out? There's no way they go back to back defensive minds as head yeah, coach. Who knows? Uh, I tell you, I tell you something though. If and when that were to happen, Lou Anarumo becomes a head coach. Watching his defense versus Joe Burrow, dude. That'd well, be honestly though, if you're if you're in the AFC West and looking for a head coach, right? Yes. How about the Mahomes killer? Right? right. I mean, how about if you were yes. looking for a head coach, Luana Rumo and off with offensive coordinator Dan Pitcher to break Bengals hearts <laughs> right. uh, everywhere if that was the way it went. Anyway, uh, let's there are some wild lines out there. I got to say, this is quite yeah. a weird week. You mentioned the Lions uh, favored by one and a half at home. Lions five and seven against the ten and two Vikings. Uh, favorites at home by one and a half, which is wild. Steelers are favored by three against the Ravens. Of course, the Lamar factor at play there, but Steelers still the Kenny Pickett's favored by three against the Ravens. Um, here's the line though that I'm putting 19 fictional units on, <laughs> and that is the Jets are getting nine and a half at the Bills. Look, the Bills are good. They're fine. They have been squeaking by some games. The Jets are good. Mike yeah. White is is looking like a pretty good quarterback, and that's all they needed with that defense. I don't know why this uh, you know absolute disrespect of the Jets is happening on the line. That's going to be a close game. I don't care if it's in Buffalo. I mean, get, I, give me the Jets to cover the nine and a half for nineteen fictionals. Um, I also love Seattle to cover the three and a half against Carolina. That seems like a small line for them, uh, but I'm going to stay away from it. We'll just give me the 19 on the one, and then I'll take uh, one fictional unit on the Bengals-Browns uh, going over 47. That's over. where I'm at. And my, the lead shall grow, and Jay will go further into the negatives. <laughs> my predictions for next week. Uh, do you want to keep playing the the, uh, the three-downs uh, play clock game, Mo? I, I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed okay. that. Well, you can you have you have full chance to uh, to nix it. Think about how you feel about it over the next week, uh, and, and uh, maybe, I, I, maybe we'll make I like it a regular. It. All right, I'm like gonna it. give I'm gonna give Mo a pass on that last answer because you started the clock while you were reading the answer. Oh, you should start the clock when he oh, starts his answer. Wow. Needed a reset. Needed a, <laughs> yeah. needed a reset on that one. Yeah, I just uh, want to say this, Paul. You're joining me this afternoon. <laughs> yeah, I I am so excited. I am so excited to talk to you today about. Maybe my favorite NFL fan trope I, oh. because, oh, I am so excited. I, this might be what we talk about for the entire hour. <laughs> We're going to do 45 NFL, minutes of your favorite NFL fan trope and 15 minutes of making NFL fun of stuff. trope. My, my second favorite NFL trope bubbled to the surface yesterday, and I'm so happy. And Love I can't it. wait to talk <laughs> about it. Three o'clock at the Moorline Logger House, ESPN fifteen thirty. Very much looking forward to it. I'll be there for an hour, uh, and Mo will be there till six. And the book, don't forget, <laughs> don't forget, my good friend and yours. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, Rick, uh, and Jeff. Rick, Rick and Jeff. Yes. Yep. All right. Thanks, Mo. Talk to you later. Thanks, Mo. <laughs> See you guys. Okay. All right, Jay. Um, one thing that Mo pointed out was Joe Burrow uh, going off at plus eight hundred. Uh, in the MVP race. Well, um, I have a lot more coming up on that topic, on Joe Burrow and his MVP case, what it could look like, what it's missing, what it has, uh, history. And I want to tap into that a little bit, uh, at least a little bit of a teaser for you of some of the stuff 
that it entails. Again, I we talked about it a little bit on the walk. I touched about touched on it a little bit in Twib. Um, but the current odds are Mahomes at plus 120, Jalen Hurts at plus 150, Joe Burrow now all the way down to plus 800. I mean, a couple weeks ago, he was plus 2,000. Um, Josh Allen at plus 1,200, and Tua at plus 1,200. That's it. That's the competition. Nobody else is anywhere in the vicinity, understandably so, and rightfully so. And so the question is, you know, how realistic is Joe Burrow ending up the MVP? You know, I mean, what are those numbers? The thing is, Jay, I think before I get into any of the numbers, the only one that matters is they got to win. They got to win. As Mo mentioned, they got to win the North. They got to prop. They have to be at least a one or a two seed. Again, you go back 10 years, the quarterback of a one seed has been the MVP eight of the last 10, uh, and then the other two are two seeds. Uh, That's it. That's what it is. Best team, quarterback, MVP. That's the award, basically, anymore. Um, it's the way the game is played. So they need to do that. They'll have opportunities to. Got to win on Monday Night Football against Buffalo. Need to look great doing it, sort of like you did against Kansas City. Mm-hmm. If you do that and end up a one or two seed, especially if you actually end up with that one seed, Joe Burrow will, will probably end up your MVP. I'm curious, and I, I don't expect you to have it off the top of your head, but maybe you can look it up later. The, those two number two seeds that won MVP, did they have a head-to-head win against the number one seed? Because um, that Mahomes is going to have better numbers than Burrow. He just is. I, I, even if Burrow gets super hot down the stretch, I, I, he's going to have a hard time catching Mahomes, but he's got that win against him. And, and I know it's only supposed to be for this year, but he's got three wins against him in the 2022 calendar year, I, I wonder how much that would weigh into to voters decisions on, on which way to go. And, and maybe it, it causes the vote to be split. And then Jalen hurts sneaks in there. And I don't think he's, his passing numbers aren't going to rival Mahomes or Burroughs, but or maybe they are. I haven't looked close enough. It, it hurts numbers, but I know he's doing so much with his feet. If, if that team has one loss, it's just going to be really, really Interesting to see if if the Bengals do finish this off, how high Burrow can get um, number one seed. Yeah, it's a lock, but can they get the number one seed? Can they even win the North? Not sure about that because of how easy this Ravens schedule looks, although the Ravens have tons of issues, as we know. Um, it's it's interesting because I, I do I think – if I had to vote right now, and I kind of do because we, they're ask the athletics asking all of the NFL writers to do a three quarter season vote. I think I still lean Mahomes, but it's really hard because of that head to head win that Burrow has against him. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, if you end up in a conversation where you're talking about uh, Burrow, Mahomes, Allen, and Tua, and Burrow is three and zero against them, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that means something. I mean, it, it, that is not nothing. And so if that ends up being the case, and there's a chance that it could. Now, the Tua comes with an asterisk, obviously, because of the scary injury that happened in that game. Uh, but you know, let me let me run through just a few of the numbers just to kind of lay out a little bit of where it stands at this moment. You're right. Mahomes does have the advantage in some stats. I, you know, I, I try to look at the, the stats that matter, in my opinion. Um, so I'm not looking at total yards and, and some of the, the, the more, the older school stats that I just, I don't know that they're, they're real true reflections of winning football. 
Uh, EPA per dropback is going to be a big one. Uh, Mahomes is first. Um, Tua is second. Uh, Burrow is fourth overall, but third amongst this group. Uh, Your total expected points added, uh, another big number. Mahomes is first at 120, and Burrow is second at 77.4. Allen is third at 58.2. That's how far ahead Mahomes is. I mean, Mm. it's just what he brings, the extra that he brings is, is off the charts. Uh, you know that I am nothing other than just one man who stands on a soapbox for adjusted net yards per attempt, right. Jay. It's pretty much my my number one winning stat because it is the NFL's number one winning stat. If you are not in the top eight of this stat, you are not in the Super Bowl, period. End of discussion. It's true. Look it up. For a long time. Uh, and this year, Joe Burrow uh, is second in adjusted net yards per attempt. Now, this is... Oh, I missed a very important point here, Jay. What's that? Shame on me for missing the whole the whole important point. This is extracting week weeks one and two. So this is important because this will be part of the debate. Burroughs numbers will not be uh, as much on par or as impressive as I'm laying out here when you put that week one disaster... In week two, uh, on him, those are anchors on him. And is it fair to say, okay, take away the worst two games of Burrow and whatever that everyone else did in weeks one and two, and let's judge on that. Is that fair? Maybe, maybe not. But I do think how much weight do you really put on you know, figuring things out early in a season, the first couple of weeks, the first month? I mean, how much how much does that matter to anybody? Now, it matters in the overall stats if we're talking about the season, but isn't it about how you progress, how you are playing at the end of the season, and then partially your overall? I think that's part of it. And there was just so much circumstantial weirdness involved in Burroughs' first couple of weeks, and the oddity of the first game, the appendectomy stuff, the line disaster getting to know each other there. I mean, all of that stuff just made for two weird weeks. And if you just take those out, I feel like you're still getting a very real picture of who these players are, but without that very odd anchor. Again, some people are probably listening and saying, it's BS, it's not fair. You can't just take away the worst games. And maybe the, the, the scenario is to take away the two worst games of everybody. But if you're playing, it's not like you're taking away the two worst games in December. Yeah, okay? exactly. You're taking away the the two worst games at the beginning of the year, figuring things out. Is there credit for figuring things out? Does that matter in an MVP conversation? I don't know. That's, that's a debate I'll put out to you, Jay. I mean, is it unfair to even do that? How? What? What role in the conversation should the first two weeks play in the case against Joe Burrow? Um, it, it should play a little bit, but. The, the, it, it's almost more a question of will it as opposed to should it because I don't you you always have recency bias and and you, the 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 better they play down the stretch the the more likely they are to garner more attention as as opposed to if they start hot and then get cool off a little bit at the end but I I wonder I mean it's hard to get in the heads of all these voters but but how many of them just look at the total numbers and don't break it down that way almost and, all and, yeah. That's the thing. Although it's a little different, I, I, there's only there's only what fifty voters. Um, whereas in baseball, you have a lot more people voting, and I do think people 
I don't want to say they take it less serious, but it's, it's a, it baseball is such a big picture um, sport and stat base. It's, it's, I don't know. It's interesting debate in my mind. Yeah. You, you should get some credit for kind of figuring things out and maybe that you should just throw September out altogether for every, every player. Um, But we know that's not going to happen. I, I, I think he's a long shot still. That's that's a lot to overcome. And if you're going to throw out his first two while he's figuring out, then does Patrick Mahomes get to throw out his game against the Chiefs or against the Bengals because he didn't play well against them and they kind of have his number. So it's there's a lot of back and forth there on, on sure. what you keep in, what you throw out. The bottom line is I have uh, 10 – I'm sorry, I have 11 different – Premium stats here. I mentioned some of them. EPA per dropback, total EPA, adjusted net yards per attempt, yards per attempt, passer rating, completion percentage, points per drive, uh, yards per game, total touchdowns, turnover-worthy play percentage, PFF grade. Joe Burrow is in the top four in every one <laughs> since week three. Every single one. Here's another one. He is first in total touchdowns and turnover-worthy play percentage. Scoring the most, screwing it up the least. That matters. That's how you win games, you know? And so he is also first in passer rating. I mean, you're just talking about he's consistently there. Everybody else, yeah, Mahomes, I mentioned the ones that he's first in. Allen is way off the path in almost everything. I don't think people realize, um, you know, how much his consistency and efficiency has struggled this year. He has the big plays. Like, I mean, he's the king of big time throws and he will be on the highlight shows and he's like a superhuman character, but his consistency and he is 26th in turnover worthy play percentage. He'll throw it to you. Um, So you have, you have that, part of the discussion to a, you know, their offense has been great, but I do feel like a lot of the credit goes to Hill and Waddle and McDaniel. Um, and it takes a little bit off the shine of Tua. Maybe that's not deserved. His numbers are certainly fantastic. First in adjusted net yards per attempt by a long shot, 8.93. Uh, you know, he's first in PFF grade. Uh, so you've, you've got, he's got his things to stand on and Hertz stands on the fact that he's the all around guy. Um, you know, he's the guy that makes plays there. He's incredible in the red zone. Um, you, you go through all that. That's the other thing. So third downs in the red zone this year, number one, Jalen hurts in EPA per play, Joe Burrow second in EPA per play. I mean, those are money downs. I mean, for a quarterback red zone, third downs, win and lose games over and over again over the course of the season, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts. So there's arguments to be made for a lot of guys, but in terms of consistency, no one has a higher level of consistency for the uh, of every aspect of quarterback play than Burrow does. He has the win over Mahomes. He could potentially have a win over Allen and, of course, also technically Tua. So the mm-hmm. argument is there to be made. To me, I think you can get over the first two games thing if they end up the one seed, right? I mean, I think that's it. I, they're the one seed. Burrow wins it because his numbers. You have enough numbers that you can stand on. And even then, add in add in five more games. You know, his season numbers 
will that will drown out weeks one and two even more will continue to rise up to the surface and you won't need to extract you know it's just i think that does it clouds you know it clouds a little bit of the real picture of how he's actually playing that's all and i don't know what that's worth yeah yeah i mean you're saying if he gets the number one seed he wins it but it's taken out the whole hurts and eagles element too because if they go 16 and one I yeah, it's hard I, yeah. not to vote against. It's him. possible. I just I don't know that his overall numbers will stack up. Hmm. Hurts. I mean, he's he's pretty far off. I mean, thirteenth in EPA per drop back. Uh, he's fifth in total EPA. Where you bring even that's just bringing his legs into it. Eighth in PFF grade. I mean, he's far back in some of these. And again, you know how fair is it? You're comparing different styles. You're right. Sixteen quarterback of sixteen and one number one seed got a pretty good shot. It has to end up that way. They still got to go through the Cowboys and, and what have you. So there's a long way to go. Important games to go that will end up being the really the defining stretch. But what Burrow did against Mahomes puts him in a good position. Look for much more on that uh, as we go forward with that conversation this week. All right. Let's uh, move forward. It's Arby's time, Jay. Your favorite time. Uh, and let's get into some of your any related Bengals uh Whatever we stands for, <laughs> extra stories, <laughs> interests. What is it? Ah, just go. <laughs> it, so <laughs> so I, I was writing Jamar Chase after the game, and I I wanted to get some perspective, obviously from the defensive side, and just w- what does what did his presence, his return, mean for the guys on defense? And I went over to talk to to DJ Reader and. Before we started our conversation, he's like, oh, look at that. And then Tyler Boyd comes around the corner and kind of where that mannequin is, where they did the Mike Hilton prank. Joe Burrow's over there in his lavender suit talking on the phone with his Cartier glasses on, just looking like the epitome of Joe Cool. And they couldn't get over. They're grabbing their phones and taking pictures and um <laughs> We, I, I wanted to take a picture, but we, we are not allowed to take still pictures in the locker room. If any of you saw my my picture of the mannequin with the Trenton Irwin jersey on, um, that was asked to be taken down because there are no still photos in the locker room. So that that was that was funny. And then we got to the talk, and um, this it, it talked about what uh, Chase's return meant for the defense. And then I said, as a leader on this team, are you going to talk to Jamar about the taunting penalty? And DJ Reader, not a fan of taunting penalties. Mm -hmm. Uh, He said he doesn't believe in taunting penalties. People are talking crazy. It's an emotional game. It's subjective. It's a judgment call. The official doesn't know what's being said. He just sees someone talking to someone. Um, The taunting penalty is the biggest BS in the league. It's the dumbest penalty ever. You want us to play an emotional game and not say nothing about it. That's the owners up top making these dumbass rules. It's stupid. (laughs) They're not out there playing. None of them played. So I don't want to hear what they're talking about in these dumbass meetings. So what? Buddy's been talking trash all week. You think when we score, we're not going to go talk crazy to you? That's wild. I wouldn't expect nothing less. It's stupid. I love DJ Reader. <laughs> Not afraid. Also coming from a guy who got a taunting penalty in this game. I have a feeling that was part of the inner core of yes. his frustration with the taunting penalty. <laughs> I don't know if this was taunting or was it unnecessary because it was a headbutt, um, but maybe it was. Maybe the official didn't see the actual headbutt, just saw him get in his face 
and yeah. I'll have to go back and look at the game book, but he will be getting a fine for whether it's taunting or unnecessary roughness because it was, it was well after the whistle. Yeah. Um, my, I, I have two. One is something that I tweeted, uh, so I'll do it quickly, but Lou Anarumo kind of shared a story about Chidabe Wuze, who is mm. back in Cincinnati uh, after having his ACL surgery in California. And so the second he, that Cheeto landed, he was blowing Lou's phone up, saying, hey, I want to get, get on the sideline. I want to get on the sideline. And now we talked about this earlier this year. I mean, guys with big injuries can't go to the sideline because they got to be protected from getting run over. So you want to be guys standing there who just had ACL surgery and all of a sudden a plague gets run past the sticks people and knocks somebody over and, it's, and, it, and it ruins it. So you, you've got to be out of the way. It's why a lot of those guys don't make road trips, things like that. Um, so they said, all right, here's what we'll do. We will set you up with a chair behind the bench. So the bench benches will be a level of protection, so nothing, no play can get you. They would have to go over the bench somehow. Uh, so you'll sit in a chair back there behind the bench, and you can be on the sideline. You can listen in to the conversation. People can see you, whatever. Okay. And he goes on, and he's, he really glanced over it the first time. So he got out there. He's in his cleats, and he was hanging out all game. I was like, he was in his cleats? <laughs> my, man, my man's like – it's game day, okay? Cleats on. Now, I don't know if this is a my cause my cause my cleats situation where he, he wanted to maybe get caught on camera wearing his cause because he you know put time into him or whatever. Mm-hmm. He has many causes. Maybe that's it. I have to ask him that. But I just love the idea of of Chidabe Uzier, fresh off ACL surgery, you know, needing protection from the bench to even be out there, being like cleats up, strap up, let's go, game day, right? Tells you a little bit about uh, who he is. Great story there. Um, the second one is a little more personal. So uh, where I I dropped my daughter off at school, and on the way into her school, there is a, a crosswalk. It's a very busy area, so they have a crossing guard, of course, um, to help because there's kids walking everywhere from where people have parked or whatever. It's, it's the beginning of school. So this crossing guard is very busy, and she goes back and forth either way. But after the kids are dropped off and the bell rings, of course, it kind of empties out. But the, cr- the, the crossing guard sticks around to make sure any stragglers uh, get, get the clearances they go through. Well, this happened to me. I was, I was one of the, we were one of the, I was one of the last to leave after the bell rang in the morning. And so I go back and I'm the only person, uh, and this very nice woman, uh, who's a delight in is a crossing guard. She's still out there. And so she's got her big stop sign and she walks my grown ass across the street with her, with her stop up. And I just kind of like, I kind of laugh a little to myself and I get into my car And I don't get to the next stoplight, but my phone rings. The name Dan Horde is on it. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, you know, I was driving uh, Sam to school, and we couldn't help but see uh, a certain Bengals beat writer needed himself escorted across the street by uh, a crossing guard and uh, proceeded to instantly give me as much crap as possible for that. uh, I, I love I love Dan. He's the best, and because I know that he will always be the first to make that call when I am in a situation where I look like a total fool uh, crossing the street. So I thought that was fun, uh, and, and I always appreciate stuff like that. All right, let's move I on. I hope Sam got a picture of that. Uh, they said they couldn't get their phones out ah. fast enough. It wasn't for lack of effort. I think the only <laughs> reason the call didn't come sooner was because they were trying to get the phones out when they saw what was happening. So. Uh, <laughs> Thankfully, that did not hit the internet. Um, all right, let's go 
Bengals growler bet recap. Of course, we had the growler bet from last week was a time of game. It was time of lead, the final lead change in Bengals Chiefs when if you said under five seconds, you had to give us the length of the play. It ended up being Chris Evans' touchdown at the nine-minute mark of the fourth quarter. And, Jay, we had no winners. No winners. That was a tough spot to guess. I mean, nine minutes, fourth quarter. Uh, that's there weren't many close. There were a couple within shouting distance, but not even worth a so close. Uh, shout out to my guy Ray White for the subject header tuna in a growler, which I enjoyed. <laughs> uh, so thank you to everybody that sends the clever subject heads. I always like them, and Ray is the king of them. So thanks to you again. Um, how do we do, Jay? Uh, so I was kind of with everybody else. I said thirty three seconds left in the fourth quarter. Uh, you had 226 left in the fourth quarter, so you win Dub. by Price's Right rules um, and take a 5-4 to four lead for the season. Feels good. I'm not going to lie if I told you it didn't. Uh, <laughs> let's go to a uh, run-passer-boot recap. What did we have in the run-passer-boots last week? All right, so in the run-passer-boot last week, you you were pretty close. You, you actually put numbers on your guesses. Mm. Uh, the choices were Burrow passer rating, Travis Kelsey yardage, receiving yardage, or Bengals combined touchdown yards, and you guessed 122 for Burrow passer rating. It was wow. 126.6. Wow! But we we both ran with that, so that was uh, right. You you passed on touchdown yardage for the Bengals and booted Kelsey receiving yards. Uh, Kelsey receiving yards actually ended up being 56, and the combined touchdown yards were only 24. Oh. So uh, we both got the run right, but I had the exact order right. I thought I think the spirit of my pass was good, though, because Kelsey yeah. only with 56 was a low number, and under, I think, what a lot of us were anticipating there. So You, you guessed 86 on Kelsey, and you guessed 97 on the uh, touchdown yardage. Yeah, well, my spirit was good. That's what matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. There is a predictions recap a little bit here. We both picked the Bengals to beat the Chiefs. Uh, yeah. That should be noted. But you have a little bit more on that. Yeah, so 12 games so far this year, and we have we have been on the same page all 12 games. Makes me um, sad. Yeah, <laughs> we have not disagreed once. Uh, the scores have varied a little. Um, but, yeah, we, we're, we're both 8-4, and four, just like the Bengals. We we both picked the Bengals to start two and zero, and they started zero and two. So those were two losses early. We both picked them to beat the Browns on Monday Night Football. That did not happen. We both picked them to lose to the Titans, and obviously that did not happen. Um, but every week, if one of us picks the Bengals, the other one picks the Bengals, and if one of us picks the opponent, the other picks the opponent. We'll see. Maybe maybe this week on Thursday we'll go in a different direction as the nemesis Browns come to Paycor. We shall see. I don't know. You'll have to tune in for Thursday's show if you want to find out. So you need to come back and check in then. Uh, that will wrap us up, I believe. No, you know what, Jay? I feel bad. I skipped over. We had some Burrow stats and turnover stats that yeah. we never that we never got to. That I and I I'm gonna I want to make sure they see the light. Do you want them to see the light of day today, or do you want to tease this for Thursday? I think we could tease it till Thursday, but we did. We were going to do a run passer booth that kind of tied into that MVP voting. Oh yeah, uh, maybe we pulled that. I really one out botched today. that whole section. Uh, it's Mo's fault. He went long. He went four <laughs> seconds long and screwed everything up. Uh, uh, but, but, 
put pull in the but, let's pull in the burrow run passer boot. Okay, so it, it's not totally burrow, but it's it starts with which is most likely to happen. Burrow finishes in the top two of MVP voting. The Bengals win the AFC North, or Samaj P. Ryan finishes with a thousand yards from scrimmage. He's currently at five eighty nine on pace for eight thirty four, but I think we all realize that role is going to expand. Okay. This is a really good one. Um, I am going to run with the Bengals winning the North. Uh, I am going to pass on Burrow top two MVP. I think both of those for me are likely. Um, but I think the Jack, the, the Jackson injury, you know, week to week, right? Whatever that means. We don't know how long that's going to go. I mean, the Ravens are three-point dogs against the Pickets, all right? So that tells you where I think the feeling is about where the Ravens are at. They have to go to Pittsburgh, to Cleveland um, the next two weeks, potentially both without Lamar. You lose both of those, there's a good chance that it's over. So I just I think the Bengals win the North. Getting Burrow all the way to the top one or two seeds is going to be the, the next level harder. But I think it's possible. I think he win the MVP and be in that conversation certainly. But uh, I'll pass on that. And I I will boot P Ryan one K from scrimmage. Um, we don't know if he'll get there. It, certainly the pace makes it possible. But I, I'll I'll boot that as less likely than the other two. Yeah, 411 yards to go in five games, so that's that's roughly 80 yards per game. It doesn't seem that unrealistic, but I'm with you. I'm, I'm booting P. Ryan. Um, I'm going to go the other way. I just think we saw it last year where Joe Burrow got on this heater. Um, I, I do agree that I think they're both kind of likely now at this point, but I'm, I'm going to I'm going to run with Burrow finishing in the top two in MVP voting, and um, I'll, I'll pass on them winning the North. It is interesting because Pittsburgh's got a little glimmer going in and as we everybody's talked about Tomlin never had a losing season they've got two games with the Steelers or with the Ravens left um they and they are favorites this week which is surprising um the Ravens could be in some serious trouble but I I still that schedule is so easy you know you just have to figure the Bengals are going to drop at least one more um so yeah I'll, I'll run with Burrow top two pass on win in the north and boot P Ryan getting 1,000. All right. And a teaser for two very important Jay's Got Stats coming on Thursday, as well as Jay's conversation yeah. with Zach Jackson in Cleveland about all of the crazy things uh, that have been going on on that beat since the two teams last met on Monday Night Football and the Bengals last lost a game. Uh, a lot of things are different this come around, this time come around. <laughs> it's like it's like a whole new game in every a whole new opponent, really. Uh, in a lot of ways, but in this matchup as the two teams uh, will we'll meet again on Sunday. So we have all that come for you on Thursday. Come come on, check back with us. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out. And, uh, again, go back in if you want to get even more content and to feed your Bengals need after the Chiefs win. The archives of our live room from Monday are up. And uh, so make sure you come check those out. Subscribers can ask questions. Anybody can listen. Uh, we like to do those uh, on Mondays at noon. We probably will do one after the Cleveland game. Not set in stone yet, but keep an eye out for that. We'll let you know. So thanks, everybody, for listening. We will talk to you next time. Have a good one.